Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so, allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arcadi into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to guide it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed and you may be seated. The Book of Ephesians 4.22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. And the sermon is called, called the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. The right to the power is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that clothes us into specific authority and power. When Jesus taught in the temple, they approached him and asked him, with what power are you doing all of this? He was just sitting and teaching, but in his words there was power and authority. And he says, I will also ask you, tell me, the baptism of John, was it from God or from man? And they went to the side and talked among themselves. Because if we say, he is from God, why did you not believe him? He will ask us. But if we say, he is of man. We are afraid of the people because he is a prophet of God. And, he, and so they came back to Jesus and told him, we do not know. And he then said the next words, I will tell you a I will not tell you then also the secret with what power and authority I am doing all of this. <clears throat> and so the ability to put off our former way of life so we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life is something that can be done only by those people who will acknowledge authority in a person who is specifically sent into his life. And so to fulfill this decreeing commandment, the commandment of putting off our former way of life so we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life, written by the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arcadi, we need to put three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed which we need to obtain as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. 
relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David, in which getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David, consisting of the eight names of God, allowed David to call to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and gave God the legitimate basis to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names to battle against the enemies of David, Psalm 18, 1-4. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together proclaim these eight names of the Lord. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear these confessions, the confessions of our heart. May He make us worthy of these names and may He confirm them in our heart and our bodies. In a specific format, we already looked at our inherited lot in the qualities and promises contained in the strength of God Most High. Therefore, we will continue to study our lot in the power contained in the name of God Rock, which in its inner essence has an unearthly quality which is inherent to the nature of our Heavenly Father and is beyond the comprehension of the typical human mind of a man. In Scripture, the identification of the word rock in regard to the natural quality of God Most High is illustrated with the following coloring tints. Rock as God's nature, it's in God and in us as well. Our natural qualities in God. Rock is resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested, rooted, well-established, immovable, Continuous, non-diminishing, constant, fearless, non-penetrating, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. These are the natural qualities of the word rock. <clears throat> and here is how the quality of the word rock, when it comes to the name of God Most High, specifically applying to His name, is identified in Scripture in the following. Rock is stone, cliff, heaviness, weights, weight, and scales. Therefore, the power of the name of God, Rock, contains the ability of the Most High to judge or weigh to judge or weigh upon the scale plates of His justice all that is created by Him to punish or reward each one according to their weight. Therefore, to possess the power of the Most High contained in the Rock of His name is to possess the authority and right to judge both yourself as well as those people who are under your responsibility to judge within the within the boundaries parameters of the commandments and statutes of the Lord or to weigh your words and your actions upon the scale plates of justice of the Most High as well as the words and actions of people that are under our responsibility and to master and clothe yourself into the unearthly quality of a rock contained in the name of God Most High, which quenches our hunger and thirst and brings us to power over our calling, it is necessary for us to study four classical questions. What in essence is his name Rock? 
What purpose in our prayer is the quality of his name rock called to fulfill? What price do we need to pay to be clothed into the quality of his name rock? And by what results do we need to judge that we truly possess the virtue of his name rock? In a specific format, we already studied the first two questions and now we'll be studying question three. And this is how it sounds but in a more expanded or elaborated way. What price do we need to pay to possess the right to clothe our spirit into the virtue of the rock of the Lord so that God can receive the legitimate grounds that He needs to keep us in His perfect peace? As it is written, Isaiah 26.3, You will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because He trusts in you. And we have been studying the price of specific conditions, let us remember them, and we will study the fifth today. The price of the first condition for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in your spirit consists in planting yourself in the house of the Lord. The price of the second condition for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in your spirit is demonstrating mercy towards vessels of mercy. The price of the third condition for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in your spirit is to walk in the ways of the Lord. The price of the fourth condition for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in your spirit is to put on the whole armor of God. And today, the fifth price or the price of the fifth condition for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord consists in integrating or implementing the order of God into your calling or subjugate your calling to the order of God by the means of the judgment of righteousness. And so we will be talking about the order of God. The order of God is in His church, and this atmosphere needs to also be within us, inside of us. And so there not, needs to not be disorder inside or in the mind. And often you can determine where there's disorder uh, based on the churches that people attend. And so, of course, as we know, the bride is a very small percentage and is often looked at as somewhat unique or as you would call a white crow instead of the majority of the black. And so, here in the book of Exodus, we see Jethro talking uh, talking to Moses about establishing a hierarchy and also put men over a different numbers or groups of numbers of people so that they can assist him and help rule the nation. And so here's what Jethro said to Moses, Exodus 18:21 through 23. Moreover, you shall select for all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge, so it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you if you do this, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all the people will also go to their places in peace. 
Exodus 18, 21 through 23, how important it is to have people in the church that would be able to help the person who uh, represents a father. And so these people are needed and these people are uh, need to be valued. Um, and so they, of course, uh, deal with the, with the smaller matters and then, of course, uh, anything uh, of a bigger matter is to be handled by someone someone that is uh, uh, the, or the father of the church and so of course uh, this can be relative because you can ask a person uh, what they consider to be important and what is not or more or more uh, urgent for example or more uh, significant than someone else's problem we first can approach our, our cell group cell group leader and question uh, the importance of a matter and if it can be handled at that level or if needs to be bumped up to some someone higher. Uh, so in this way, uh, showing care for our leader and uh, considering uh, his his time and and of course we value all the people within <clears throat> within uh, these categories, of course. I will remind us that the legitimacy and the ability to judge with righteous judgment itself identifies the quality of a rock in our spirit. Possibly we may think that this condition is too specific because it belongs exclusively to the commanding structure. However, we need to not forget that each one of us are called to judge ourselves and those people that are under our responsibility, including our house, in accordance to the demands of the order which functions in the body of Christ or within Israel. Therefore, first, we won't be independently studying the commanding structure that is in the Church of God or in Israel, but rather the individual person whose calling it is to rule over himself or herself within the boundaries of the commandments and statutes which identify the order in which the body of Christ functions, and only after look at the commanding structure to know within what boundaries we need to obey ourselves to their word. <clears throat> Let us look at those uh, virtues which are the price for the right to possess the quality of a rock in our spirit so you can govern yourself in accordance to the demands implemented by God in Scripture. And for this, we will turn to the initial phrase of the <clears throat> of the being studied by us text. Moreover, you shall select for, from all the people able men. But, and so able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them. We need to yield four characteristics from the given verse, characteristics that our spirit needs to have so that it can be clothed into the quality of a rock of the Most High, giving us the right to the power to govern over ourselves as well as those people whom we carry responsibility for before God. Therefore, the first is to be able or able person, interpreted also as a bold, confident, to be able, to have the fear of the Lord, to be a person of truth or a fair person, or to hate covetousness. And so the four important components, an able person, one who fears the Lord, a person of truth, and one who hates covetousness, and these need to be present within us so that 
we have God's order. We need to know that to rule or govern is not to control or to violate the sovereign boundaries of those people whom we carry responsibility for before God, but instead take their guilt upon ourselves before God and be an example to them of how a person needs to obey God. Here, the leaders of cell groups, pastors, uh, the deacons, and of course, the saints also that are listening because we're talking about the order of God that is present inside. Parents also that carry responsibility for their children, <clears throat> take the guilt of them upon yourself, those we carry responsibility for, and be an example. And these uh, these characteristics, these uh, when followed, will will balance out a, and the service or within the family or the or what the relationships within the family or within the church uh, among, where the leaders are are doing their role and so a person to have the ability to take the guilt of the household upon himself and second to be an example first peter 5 2 through 4 shepherd the flock of God which is among you serving as overseers not by compulsion but willingly not for dishonest gain but eagerly nor as being lords over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away and so there are four characteristics that need to be present And uh, it needs to be present in the church and be present within each individual person who wants to have this quality of a rock of God in their in their essence. To have the ability to rule or govern, to be within the order of God, and this order to keep it within yourself, this testifies of the quality of God's rock within our essence. We have studied the uh, two characteristics and we will be studying the third today. And so the characteristic giving us the right to the power to clothe our spirit into the rock of the Most High is the ability to be strong and bold. This was the first, the second characteristic giving us the right to the power to clothe our spirit into the rock of the Most High is to have the fear of the Lord. And now the third characteristic giving us the right to the power to clothe our spirit into the rock of the Most High so that we can rule over ourselves is to be a person of truth or a fair person. A fair person, a, a truthful person. A truthful person is always a fair person. A fair person is always a truthful person. To be a person of truth or a fair person is to stand guard of the codex of righteousness. To be a person of truth or a fair person is to stand guard of the codex of righteousness according to which he needs to think, speak, and behave. A righteous person, a truthful person, if he does not have the codex of righteousness, then he will not know how to properly think, speak, or behave. Here it's very interesting, the very the identification of, of codex of righteousness. We, as members of the church we have a codex we need to follow we can't just do whatever when we have come into this church we have agreed to the order within the church and the country in which we live uh, it uh, requires that every church have its own uh, codex 
to protect uh, the church from the people and the people from uh, maybe leaders that may uh, dictate to the uh, children of God things that may be not appropriate. And so the Co Codex of Righteousness, it, it in Archer specifically, it's been very helpful when there were uh, a lot of wicked and, and lawless that were present in the church and were violating the order of the church, were offending the person, threatening the person, our father, our pastor, tried to, to sue him and so forth. And their lawyer said, their advocate, and so the advocate asked, do they have a codex uh, within the church? And And we, we do, and we did, and they gave it to him. And so these rebellious people shield uh, these documents to their attorney, their lawyer, and the attorney closed the case because it listed out clearly what can and cannot happen and what rights, uh, uh, according to the law, he has. And so when you when you uh, become a member of a church, then you need to, uh, and you're aware of these things, uh, you're not able to uh, sue on these specific things later. And so it is important to, again, have this within the church, but we're going to look uh, deeper today than just what is uh, the codex of, it, of uh, according to the law, but we're looking at the codex that needs to be within a person. Uh, that allows us to understand how to think, speak, and behave properly. And so, here is one of many places of Scripture which contains some of the components of the Codex of Righteousness, 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 through 24. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from evil, from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. In the given place of Scripture, we see presented the role of God and the role of man, giving us the right to the power to clothe our spirit into the quality of the rock of the Most High so that we can rule over ourselves. If we accomplish or complete our part of the job, then God will receive the legitimate grounds that He needs to accomplish the promised to us by Him part of the job so that He can sanctify us fully so that our spirit, soul, and body could be kept without blemish at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our role in sanctification called to pre preserve our dedication where we would be able to continuously bring God the offering of praise presented in the given place of Scripture in ten components of the order of the law of righteousness, standing guard of the holiness of truth, the codex of righteousness, and these ten components. The first is, see, that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. Always pursue what is good both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. 
Test all things that are beneficial to God. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. It appears you would think everything is very clear. But it only appears that way. That is completely clear. Each of the ten presented components exist in one the other, come one from the other, reinforce one the other, complete one the other, and identify the truthful nature of one the other. Therefore, the truthfulness of each of the components is examined by the existence or presence of the other components in them, which in their essence or their unification demonstrate an incredible balance of the one who is perfect in knowledge. Let us look at the Codex of Righteousness. We will study three of those today. First, condition to be a person of truth. Codex to be a person of truth in your dedication to God by the way of sanctification is not to render evil for evil to anyone. And so how does this Codex of Righteousness start? That we have the, so that you not render evil for evil to anyone. Romans 12, 17 through 21. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 17-21 Now we need to pay attention to the phrase, If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men, indicates a somewhat exception to the rule, meaning that it's not possible to have peace with all people. Only if it is possible from your side as a righteous person to have peace with all men. But it's again not possible to have peace with all men. Now let's look at about six. uh, Let's identify six of the kinds of people we cannot have peace with. Because if we just take the phrase, do not render evil for evil to anyone, it seems clear, okay, I'll be friends with all people. But the scriptures say, no, that's incorrect because it is uh, contradictory to the scriptures. Let's look at people that we need to not just not be friends with, but not be con- have contact with them, with them, do not share anything with them, do not have fellowship with them, and these people exist in the church. The first characteristics of people, having a good relationship with evil company who fill the churches of Christ is a sin for which a person's name will be blotted out of the book of life and he will not be allowed into heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, 33-34 Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupt good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And, you, and it seems as if, well, don't render evil 
for evil to anyone, but here it starts to clarify, do not be deceived, evil company corrupt good habits. And so evil company are people with whom I need to not share anything with. The next, if we will not distance ourselves from them and will not break our relationship with people who only have the look of godliness, then they will also corrupt our good habits and we then together with them will inherit hell that is prepared for de- the devil and his angels. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But note this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be these... The last days is the days that Apostle Paul wrote about and the characteristics uh, that will be uh, covered or will be existing but be, will, will be covered up as righteousness. <clears throat> For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. <clears throat> For such people do not do not be friends with such. This is the second category, third category. We need to distance ourselves and run from people who use the principles of faith for their materialistic success because they are idol worshippers. First Timothy six five through eleven. <clears throat> Useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and dispute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. And so who do we distance ourselves from? People that think that you can use godliness as a form of gain, as a, a form of earning for yourself. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves from through with many sorrows. But you, O man, O God, flee these things and pursue righteousness godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. And so he said, Timothy, avoid people that use principles of faith for materialistic prosperity. Next is friendship with angry and furious men. It is a snare for our soul. Proverbs 22, 24 through 25. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. And so again, a person who is angry, who is furious, should not be someone that we associate with, because we will then behave, we will start behaving uh, in the same way and behave this way with our own spouse, with our children, and it is dangerous. Also, we need to not associate ourselves with people who accept rumors <clears throat> about their neighbor and who pass these rumors on to others. Proverbs twenty nineteen: He who goes about as a, ta- a tale-bearer 
reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. And so I read, I read these things, and I, I look into myself and examine myself in a lot of these things where I can maybe be need to correct myself reading these places, reading uh, this truth. We examine ourselves, and I look into myself uh, to, to see and maybe find certain things that I need to correct in me. Who else do we need to not associate with? We need to not associate with political rebels who organize or set up government takeovers or coups because calamity will suddenly rise for them. Proverbs 24, 21 through 22. My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those given to change for their calamity will rise suddenly and who knows the ruin those two can bring. And so people who convince others to go rebel, to go protest with such people, these political rebels do not uh, associate with them because it's because it's a dangerous because calamity will come upon them. And so these are people, and I've highlighted for myself such people. Uh, and so being a righteous person who has the order of God in himself, who uh, wants the quality of the rock of the Lord in himself, is not to render evil for evil. And so that is not to associate with a corrupt company. And these are people that have the look of godliness. These are people who use the principles of faith for materialistic prosperity. These are people angry. People who accept rumors about others and pass it on. And also with political uh, rebels. Let's look at the second condition to be a person of truth in your dedication to God by the way of sanctification. And this is always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Amos 5, 14, 15. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. So the Lord God of hosts will be with you as you have spoken. Hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Pursuing what is good for one another and not evil is to hate the carriers of evil and love the carriers of good. The gate of justice are the doors of our mouth, and this means dedicate your mouth to confess the truth abiding within your heart so that you defend and justify the innocent and condemn the lawless. And so shortly and very correctly is it uh, written here how to uh, pursue what is good for one another. It begins when we learn to hate evil and love good. And when we have the right uh, reaction to evil and good, then the Lord will be able to establish justice at our gate that is at our mouth. And every time we speak anything, or we <clears throat> evaluate or judge something, then this justice will be in our gate. And for this, we need to know what is good and what is evil, and to love this good and hate the evil.
And if we don't learn, learn these things, then justice will not be in our gate. Speaking to a good person, we might offend him. And why? Because at our gate, there's no justice. And so it is necessary that it be there. Third, condition to be a person of truth that we will be uh, studying in more depth in your dedication to God by the way of sanctification is to rejoice always. Joy, the antonym of joy, is sorrow or despair. As it is written, Proverbs 17.22, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Apostle Jude, summing up his short epistle to the Church of Christ, spoke of joy in a significant way as an intrinsic element of our salvation in Jesus Christ. And it is written in Jude 1.24, it's part of our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. There is a fundamental difference between earthly, regular joy, which has its roots, its wellspring, and its origin in the carnal flesh, and supernatural joy, which has its distinctive roots in God, its distinctive wellspring in God, and its distinctive origin in God. Two natures of joy. These are two absolutely, diametrically opposite, one from the other qualities, and their understanding, the understanding of this joy, looking at its origin and its demonstration. Because of its supernatural essence, unearthly joy is not able to be tested or felt with your physical abilities. As unlike earthly joy, it, is, it isn't some kind of emotion or some kind of feeling lifting one's mood. Supernatural joy is not an emotion or a feeling that lifts the mood, but it can be used to lift your mood. But it is not the emotion, it's not an emotion, but you can use it. Supernatural joy is a discipline of the mind and heart. And so you can lift your mood not uh, through discipline, the discipline of your mind that is renewed and your righteous heart. If a person has a righteous heart and a renewed mind, he will always be able to confess the word of God and lift his mood doing so. If we don't have a righteous heart or renewed mind, then we need someone else to lift <clears throat> to lift our mood. We need to look at a, a happy program or a, a listen to something cheerful, but we're talking right now about supernatural joy. And so again, supernatural joy is a discipline of the mind and heart, which is the atmosphere of the glory of God, creating peace in the heart of man and leading his heated and emotional horse. Upright joy is one of the unchanging qualities and names of God himself, and as a result, the born from him children, children as well. Psalm 43, 4, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Here David begins to lift up his mood. I will go to the altar of God. I will begin to pray, and I will pray to God my exceeding joy. The quality of joy in the children of God 
that is of heavenly origin is able to be received exclusively by being instructed in the faith and in the seed of the word of grace and in the individual Holy Spirit able to grow the seed into fruit of upright joy so that he can he can place us before the glory of the Heavenly Father and so again being instructed in the faith in the seed of the word of grace and in the individual Holy Spirit able to grow this seed into fruit of upright joy it's not possible to take this upright joy uh, or have it by just memorizing a couple of sentences or phrases in Scripture Continual upright joy is when we receive instruction in the word and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to us the meaning of this word. Understandably, during our disciplining of our will, mind, and heart, directed and focused upon continually abiding in the word of God and in the Holy Spirit, therefore supernatural joy in its origin as well as its demonstration is stable, continuous, unchanging, and absolutely does not depend on earthly circumstances and the satisfying or gratifying of our earthly desires. The following is written about the saints of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. 2 Corinthians 8.2 A chapter higher, Apostle Paul testifies the same and about himself regarding unearthly joy. 2 Corinthians 7.4 I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulations. This was a quite a difficult time in which they lived. They did not have the comfort and, and options that we have. It was a difficult time. And we see the Apostle Paul as well as the saints that were in Macedonia, they still had much joy. Looking at these testimonies, we can clearly see that an overwhelming or abounding amount of unearthly joy, which is comfort, is, n- is in no way dependent or tied to the existing in this world losses and sorrows. So, if we lose something or gain something, our unearthly joy remains the same. It is not affected by, by what it happens around you or the circumstances around you we need to specifically apprehend that earthly joy unlike unearthly joy is short-lived or temporary as well as imperfect moreover unlike heavenly joy earthly joy is subject to fluctuation and depending on and depends heavily on outside factors relating to satisfying our earthly desires For example, identifying earthly joy and earthly gladness, the scripture states that the triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment, Job 25. And further, even in laughter the heart may sorrow and the end of mirth may be grief, Proverbs 14.13. Speaking of people with an unclean heart and hands who filled who filled the churches or filled them back then and do still fill them today, Apostle James wrote, Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. James 4, 9. 
This indicates that substituting or replacing heavenly joy with earthly joy and trusting upon earthly joy which people prefer over supernatural joy for which God will bring man to judgment. Ecclesiastes 11.9 Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these God will bring you into judgment. Let us remember uh, some philosophers uh, who talked about uh, earthly joy. And we're here to, and it's going to confirm the instability and futile nature and uselessness of this earthly joy. Earthly joy is one, is only for a moment before the in- eternity that awaits us. Ephesina wrote this. Criminal joy does not bring true satisfaction. Flacher wrote this. Joy is a manner of behavior as happiness is the habit, habit of mind. Joy is short-lived. Happiness is continuous and unchanging. The Addison. Happiness comes into our life when we have something to do, have someone to love, and have something to trust in. The Frankel. The next example is there cannot be sincere happiness when the conscience is dirty. Written by P. Baust, it is not necessary to expect good deeds from a person who can't be cheered up or made happy. E. Johnson. People who know how to be joyful are not tied to money, but people who are tied to money don't know how to be joyful. B. Shaw. And so here are some uh, philosophical uh, conclusions that they have made, uh, how they defined uh, earthly joy. Let us now pay attention to the unique wisdom of the Holy Scriptures to identify unearthly joy, and we will study its heavenly qualities, the atmosphere of her glory, and its natural essence in God. We will be studying the virtues of upright joy exclusively within the heart of man, who is born from the imperishable seed of the word of truth, abiding within Christ. First, to identify the wellspring of the virtue of upright joy, we will begin with God as the supreme ruler of personified joy. Because specifically God, in his eternal and unchanging nature, is the God of joy and gladness, which is why upright joy is not only the quality and atmosphere in which God abides, but is also one of his glorious names with which he celebrates over his enemies. Psalm 43, 4, 5. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? He has approached the altar to the God of exceeding joy, and he immediately begins to confess the word of God and see what discipline of mind. He immediately begins to lift up his mood and uh, clothe his emotion, his mood, into upright joy. Why are, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. His mood was down. The enemies were uh, pursuing him, both physically and inside of him, and he was speaking to his soul so that it not be disquieted, so that it trust upon God. Considering that God is the God of joy and gladness, the place then 
where God dwells, is also the place of joy and gladness. The church is the place of joy and gladness. First Chronicles 16.27 Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. <clears throat> the holy place where strength and gladness abide are three unique dimensions that are merged into one, existing in one the other, and confirming the truthfulness of one the other. These are the heights of the heavens, the temple of God in the form of the chosen by God nation, and the broken and humble heart of a righteous person. There also needs to be upright joy. The next element identifying the wellspring of upright joy within the heart of man is the cornerstone of our justification in the form of the Lord Jesus placed by God into our heart in the foundation of creating the heavens and the earth. We are studying still, where can we see this upright joy? We see it in God, God is the God of joy and gladness, and now we see the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, placed into the foundation Job 38, 4-7 Where were you when I, la- I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements, the earth's measurements? Surely, surely you know. Or who stretches the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And so the Lord says, when he had laid the chief cornerstone, the sons of God, his children, sang together, rejoiced, they shouted for joy. And so you may say, Lord, how is it you were creating the world and we were rejoicing? As it says, the sons of God shouted for joy. If the essence of these questions is studied out, these questions given to Job is studied out of the boundaries of the born from God human heart, then the creation of the visible universe loses its meaning and its purpose. All of this written in the book of Job belongs to the heart. There is the earth, the good soil of the heart. There God had put his cornerstone. There the sons of God rejoice and are glad. All of scripture is focused upon the person himself. This thought is reflected in one of the parables narrating the mystery of the treasure discovered by a man in a field which has become a wellspring of his joy. To possess this field and the joy of the found by him treasure, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. And so again, Lord, what does it mean when you have placed the cornerstone that the sons rejoiced? This is why they rejoiced. Matthew 13:44 Again the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field In the given parable the symbol of the field is the supernatural realm identifying a wise heart of a man in which the thummim and urim abide and the heart abides in the thummim and urim in the holy spirit and the word of god to sell everything we have for the right to possess or to own the field of the wise heart and the treasure of the Thummim and Urim means with joy die for your nation, the house of your father, and for the corrupt desires cloaked into personal virtue that is not God's virtue. Let's see how Apostle Paul did this, Philippians 3, 7 through 11. 
he talks about how he was that morning star, he was that son of God who rejoiced and was glad when the Lord laid the foundations and put the cornerstone. And so here's what he says, that he gladly paid the price, such a great price. And why? Because they had the cornerstone, which is the spring of of supernatural joy. But what things were gained to me, those I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him, the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings being being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, Philippians 3, 7 through 11. <clears throat> the next element identifying unearthly joy for all the forechosen and destined for salvation is the incarnation or embodiment of the Messiah in our heart, whom God has laid as a chief cornerstone of all that is visible and invisible. When the Lord Jesus uh, was embodied, there was great joy. But this embodiment we will be looking for in our own uh, body, inside of ourselves. <clears throat> Luke 2, 8 through 11. Now there were in the same country shepherds. It's talking about our heart. This country is our heart. Country shepherds living out in the field, keep, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I want to give you upright joy, in other words, which will be to all men, or to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The city of David, where Christ was born, is Bethlehem, which in Hebrew means the city of bread. The symbol of such a city within our essence is our heart, born from the imperishable seed of the word of truth, called to be the house of imperishable bread, which comes from above, identified as the teaching of Jesus Christ that has come in the flesh or born in the temple of our body. And so, where does this great joy begin? It is born in our Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is our heart. Our heart needs to correspond to this Bethlehem, the house of bread. This is when we have this imperishable bread that comes from above, the teaching of Jesus Christ. And their birth begins in the temple of our body. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were, brought, you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're talking about how the embodiment or incarnation of the Messiah can happen within our body. Why? Because this upright joy is in heaven, it is present in the church and it needs to be present in my essence. But if my heart is not Bethlehem, 
<clears throat> it won't be Bethlehem if it is not cleansed from dead works. If the teaching of Christ is not put there, it will not become a city of bread, the city of the food of God. There, the embodiment of Jesus, the Messiah, happens. And so again, it happens within the temple of our body, not just in the physical Bethlehem. We know that God said about David to Samuel, I have found a man after my own heart. The name David means beloved by God, Jesus revealing himself through Apostle John to his forechosen nation on island Patmos said, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things. In the churches, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Revelations 22.16 Jesus calls himself that I am the root and offspring of David. He shows his connection to David. David was literally from that place, from that location where Jesus was born. And why does Jesus call himself the offspring of David? He doesn't call uh, David his offspring, but instead he calls himself the offspring of David because Jesus existed before David. And so the incarnation of Jesus Christ in his life, David began to possess Bethlehem in his heart and he bore the Son of God. He was the temple of God and Jesus was in him. And so Jesus says, uh, I'm the root and offspring of David. This is a great status. And why? Because David ensured that this image of Jesus would be within his heart. However, this explanation does not yet fully exhaust the destiny that is purposed and placed in this unique name for the chosen by God nation with the head of who is Christ. The name David also means Again, the, David, uh, the name David also means demonstration, evidence, argument, prognostication, and sign. And so a person who is born from God, he is in the likeness of God, he is similar to God. A person that is beloved by God is a person who has actualized the redemption of God, which is identified in his heart in the imprinted teaching of Jesus Christ who has come in the flesh, and specifically such a person, will be a sign and a prognostic of the great acts of God, which God will demonstrate and do through this person who is known in heaven, on earth, and in hell. In other words, a person beloved by God in Jesus Christ will be distinguished by God from other men, which will be a sign and evidence of God loving him. Revelations 3.9 Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. <coughs> Why did God love you? Why did God love me? That, the, to the, the status of David being beloved by God. If I'm not like, if I don't look like David, and David was different in what, in that he was. 
he being uh, within the realms of the Old Testament, he was so close uh, to God and he lived by the New Testament already. How do you possess upright joy, unearthly joy? If you remember when Jesus was born, uh, the angel said, we are here to bring you great joy. And this, and this great joy is that you can be grown into full measure of growth in Jesus Christ. The next element identifying unearthly joy within our heart This next element, identifying unearthly joy within our heart, identifies it as one of the three unique virtues identifying the kingdom of heaven within our heart. Romans 14, 17, 18, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Romans 14, 17, 18. Joy is a quality and atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven in the given situation. In Hebrew, uh, joy means laughter, thrill, gladness, celebration, a festive feast, in, in honor of a victorious celebration or in honor of a victory, perfection or a balance of perfection, overwhelming desire and absence of sorrow. Proverbs 17.22 A merry heart does good like medicine, but, is bro- but a broken spirit dries the bones. A merry heart is a heart filled with laughter. One of the meanings of joy is laughter. We need to not confuse ridicule and laughter because ridicule is making fun of someone, mocking someone, <clears throat> and putting someone down. At the same time, laughter in the given situation is an overwhelming joy, which is a spring flowing from the heart of man, healing him in this way from illnesses. As it is written, Luke 6.21, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. And so in the world there's also a laughter, but often it will be the belittling of another human. It is uh, putting another person down, and it is often dirty. But unearthly joy also has laughter, but this laughter that is present, it is the the best medicine. It heals a person. Medics have come to the conclusion that sincere laughter is able to heal a person as it activates mechanisms of self-repair within the body of the, of the harmed cells. And so laughter allows our body, our system, to activate mechanisms in our body. We have natural active mechanisms of self-repair. 
Here are a few aphorisms regarding laughter. As philosophers say, and are pretty uh, close to what scriptures say, laughter is a disinfecting substance. Laughter is the shortest distance between two people. Laughter is the sun. It drives away the winter from a person's face. Someone you can laugh with is someone you can work with. Laughter without reason is an excellent mood. And so, laughter without reason is an excellent mood, is, is a saying. Even if there is no reason for laughing, laugh in credit. Interesting uh, definitions of, of laughter. And if regular laughter brought forth, that is brought forth soberly, is able to activate the mechanism of self-repair of harmed cells, then how much more the joy and laughter brought forth by faith and trust in that reality of who God is to us and what God has done for us. Practically righteousness and as an identification of the kingdom of God and man is a foundation upon which are built and born such virtues as peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, righteousness that is not a demonstration of upright joy is not able to be called righteousness and it is the same with joy, which is not a demonstration of righteousness, standing guard of the boundaries of God's holiness, is not able to be called joy. The next element, identifying unearthly joy as an identification of the kingdom of heaven within our heart, belongs to one of the elements of the fruit of our spirit, grown from the seed of the received by us justification in Jesus Christ. Galatians 5, 22-23 but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Righteousness that is not able to confirm and demonstrate itself in the above-mentioned virtues of righteousness, including the virtue of joy, is not able to be called or be righteousness. And so here are these wonderful identifications we've seen today the necessity to be, to be joyful. We will thank God for the word that we've received. May you be blessed in your prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that you have allowed us today to bow before you, before your word, and magnify your word. And we pray, Lord, that you today activate the power of all of your, of all of your names within us against all of our enemies within ourselves as well as within your church, within your body, in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you are our stronghold. You are strength 
You are our rock, you are our fortress, you are our deliverer, you are a rock upon whom we rely, <clears throat> you are a living shield, and you are the horn of salvation, and you use the power of your godly horn to deliver us from all of our enemies that are within our body in the form of illnesses, misfortunes, untimely death, poverty, fear, depression, phobia, destruction, and you allow us to use the power of this horn to use this horn against the enemies that are in your church, in your body. Thank you that you are a stronghold into which we can run and we are in this place which is our stronghold. The enemy more than one time has tried to attack this place but you allowed this place to be safe and have kept it because upon this place your holy names are proclaimed upon this place is the memory of your holy name and upon this place you allow your saints this great and upright joy upright joy and we stand before you before our God the God of joy and gladness and we thank you that you are our father you are our savior you are our redeemer and we thank you for our salvation for absolute redemption spirit soul and body for forgiveness and for absolute justification that we have in Jesus Christ we thank you father that today you reveal your power in your name rock <clears throat> you place us into this perfect peace because of the word that was preached to us and the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth that has been spoken to us we trust upon you you, we can't be in your perfect peace without trusting upon you. And you've allowed us <clears throat> to place this trust in our heart. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the confidence of our spirit and that we can be within this perfect peace and have the atmosphere of perfect peace within our essence. We thank you, Lord, for the revelations that we have. We thank you for the person who gives them to us for our apostle, our brother Arkady. We pray, Lord, that you continue to give him the word, that he with his mouth boldly would be able to proclaim your mysteries, your words. And he continues to pass on this message but he is shackled allowing to boldly be able to proclaim your word state your word <clears throat> I pray for people also in your church that are in need of your godly touch but in restoration and resurrection we thank you Lord that the healing of our bodies is within the resurrection of Christ we pray Father that the sun of righteousness may rise and this great promise that includes healing 
that the sun of righteousness and healing in its rays. We pray, Lord, that you continue to reveal to us your promises and that it be clearly written upon our hearts and the time will come because all time is, with, is within your hands. You, the time will come when you will show your power and the authority. We continue to proclaim your truth in our life and the life of our church and your saints proclaiming with our mouth the word that we have received and keep in our heart and the revelations that we have in our mind. We thank you, Lord, for the confidence of our spirit and for that great codex of righteousness you revealed to us. We pray that this codex of righteousness would be received into our heart and would never be forgotten by us. You said that we never render evil for evil to anyone and that we could have peace with all if it is possible from our side and we thank you Lord that we have peace with the saints we pray for those people that are among us we pray that we can always seek good for for one another and for all but for this we make the decision to hate evil and love good and to establish justice at our gate at our mouth we can't be uh, have this love among each other until we have this justice at our gate until we receive into our heart what you call good and what you call evil we can't establish your justice at our mouth at our gate if we will not be able to hate evil and love your good for this allow us to be <clears throat> friends with the saints and distance ourselves from those whom you desire we distance from and we make the decision to break all relations with evil company in the name of Jesus Christ for this we have the ability to break all relationships with people who have the look of godliness that they use as a cloak to cover up disobedience, rebellion, <clears throat> wickedness. In the name of Jesus Christ, we break all relations with people who use principles of faith to become wealthy, to become rich. In the name of Jesus Christ, according to your word and the Codex of Righteousness, we break all our relations and associations with people that are angry and who rage so we not be falling into the same nets as they are in the name of Jesus Christ we break our relations with people who pass on rumors and who so easily accept these rumors we will close our ears and say in the name of Jesus Christ I do not accept these rumors against the children of God about them and I will not pass on this information allow us to not violate the codex of righteousness and allow us to hallow you in our life in the name of Jesus Christ we break all relations with people who today do not acknowledge your authority within the church and your authority within the country in which 
we live. And we do this so that you can establish the Codex of Righteousness in our heart. And we would be able to say that you are our rock. We thank you that you clothe our heart into supernatural joy. We thank you that this is not just an emotion, but today this upright joy is a discipline of our mind and our heart and our will. And you allow us today to accept this discipline of upright joy within our heart. And for this we learn with our spirit to accept the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life in the preached word and learn to understand our heart and the revelation that's in our heart with our renewed mind because upright joy cannot be in a heart that does not have discipline upright joy cannot be in a mind that is not does not have your discipline and so thank you for the righteousness that's in our righteous heart and our renewed mind we thank you Lord that you are the God of joy and the joy of gladness and we come to the altar today and we continue to comfort the saints and comfort ourselves so that our soul not be cast down continuing to trust in the Lord because we we trust in him upon our Lord upon our God and we will not be shaken in our faith we thank you for the cornerstone Jesus Christ who was placed at the time when you had placed, laid the foundations of the world you created all things through him and for him and we thank you that the cornerstone today Jesus he is also within our heart we thank you for this great joy that is proclaimed today in the Bethlehem of our heart you have allowed us today to possess the atmosphere of Bethlehem within our heart in which we will hear of your great joy this upright joy that there in Bethlehem is born the Messiah Methuselah is born the one who drives away death we accept this promise and we are growing in this promise and we are being grown into full measure of growth into a mature man and we thank you that the embodiment of your son our Lord Jesus Christ who was in Bethlehem today it's happening inside of us when we are clothed into the power of a perfect man and are grown into full measure of growth in Jesus Christ and we walk in the ways that David did we thank you Lord for the kingdom of God that's in us and for the joy which is a part of righteousness a part of peace and we thank you that our joy comes from righteousness within the atmosphere of your peace we thank you for the fruit of the Spirit that we have and that we are growing growing in our heart you've allowed us today to 
look into your word and we thank you for this word. You've allowed us to be clothed into the rock of your name and we have accepted this word and we keep it in our heart with the ability to put these precious uh, promises in our heart upon your table of showbreads. We thank you for your mercies, the promises that we've received. Allow us to grow them. We pray that your mercy and our mercy would be able to collaborate with one another and would be able to be established by the way of truth within our heart because if we will not be able to abide in your truth then you will not be able to show us your mercy because your mercy begins with your truth and without your truth that we heard today that we abide in we don't have the right to possess your mercy because when mercy and truth kiss then righteousness and peace will be we pray that you would be able to grow the fruit of righteousness in our heart but you won't be able to do this without truth without the truth the truth we receive your truth the, the word of your truth and grow it using your truth we receive the seed of justification and using your truth we receive and we grow this seed of justification into the fruit of righteousness and when we have grown the fruit of righteousness then righteousness and peace will come together and you will say then that we are truly the sons of peace and you have not given to Ab- you did not give to Abraham uh, righteousness by the law but righteous the righteousness of faith is how it happened and you accounted to him we thank you Lord for the word that we have heard and the Holy Spirit who reveals the meaning of this word and we pray for the next services that you allow you allow us to be within your word to read the word that you have passed on to us from your apostle so that we can uh, be able to comprehend it <clears throat> and make it our confessions because we will not be able to be clothed into the new person if we will not be confessing your truth and today we clothe ourselves into our new person by confessing the truth <clears throat> that is clearly written upon our heart and abides within our renewed mind we thank you may your name be blessed our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence 
of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.